Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With Fastlane in the books, here I am for an Evan Roberts podcast, Instant Reaction Fastlane pay-per-view, which turned out to be one big giant celebration of the Shield. And that's really where I start. I start with the fact that that was the main event. And I was thinking about it today at about like 6 or 7 o'clock when I reminded myself, hey, there's a Fastlane event tonight, and I'm going to do a podcast tonight. I started thinking, what are they going to main event with? And a couple of thoughts went through my head. Becky Charlotte has the WrestleMania main event impact because if Becky wins, she's in the main event, what we all think is the main event of WrestleMania. So you have that as a legitimate contender. And, of course, you have the WWE title, which I've bitched about numerous times, never gets to main event pay-per-views. It main evented the last pay-per-view, the Elimination Chamber. That was, like, the first time we saw the WWE Championship main event the pay-per-view in a very long time. So, so that was weird. So I thought to myself, are they going to main event the WWE title again? And then it started to pop into my mind, maybe it's actually going to be... This six-man tag match. Roman Reigns is returning. And even though the Roman Reigns return is not three years later, it's not two years later, it's not five years later, it's only six months, we obviously know what he's coming back from, and that's a big deal. So I thought, well, maybe they will main event with that. And as the night went on, it started to bother me. It actually started to annoy me that they were going to put a six-man tag match to main event this pay-per-view. Obviously, that's what turned out to happen. The Shield basically squashed Corbin McIntyre and Lashley. That's what they did. They killed him. They crushed him. And it was more about the Shield and the fact that this was supposedly the last time they were going to be a group together, more so than it was the return of Roman. Obviously, they mentioned the return of Roman. It was a factor. They put that in the video. But I thought they stressed Shield, Shield, Shield a lot more. And I'm not complaining. Because I don't necessarily think they should have spent the whole time talking about what Roman has been going through and hopefully will never go through again. And that's his battle with leukemia. But it became a tribute to the Shield, especially with the way the thing ended. I mean, the match turned out to be a squash, right? You know, they do the big thing on McIntyre, the triple power bomb. Obviously, McIntyre is not going to take the pin. We understand that. We know Lashley's not taking the pin. So, of course, let it be Baron Corbin. And everybody gets their finishing move in. Everybody gets to do what they want to do. And then Roman, of course, puts the one, two, three on Baron Corbin. And it's this celebration of the three of them. And look, I like the Shield. I remember when they debuted, and they'll never mention you know, who they were helping, by the way, when they debuted. They weren't helping themselves. They weren't just showing up out of thin air. They were helping CM Punk. You know, remember, they were helping Punk during that long championship run that ended at the hands of The Rock at the Royal Rumble. 
And, and I like the Shield. And they were over with the crowd. And there's no question that the three of these guys have in their own way become stars in this business. We know about the main events Roman Reigns has had. Ambrose has been very entertaining. Rollins is probably going to win the Universal title this year. He had some good runs as champion. So I'm not discounting what the Shield has done. What I'm trying to tell you in a long-winded way is did we need a pay-per-view that's leading into WrestleMania that is supposed to wet the palate for WrestleMania? Did we need a pay-per-view celebrating the Shield like they're the greatest faction of all time? And was that really necessary? And they were a very good faction. No doubt about it. I mean, again, look what the three guys have accomplished. But this is the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania, and you're not even thinking about WrestleMania. You're not thinking at the close of this show what's next. I don't know who Roman Reigns' opponent is at WrestleMania. It could be Baron Corbin. It could be Drew McIntyre. Who knows? Maybe they'll have Ambrose turn on Raw the next night. Who who the hell knows? We obviously don't know what's going on with Dean Ambrose. We know about Seth. We know the deal with Seth. He's fighting for the Universal title. Brock Lesnar can't be around. So how the hell do you further that storyline when Brock's not around? But I think the thing that annoys me a little bit, even though it may be true and probably will be true, is the whole last time together thing they were screaming about the entire night. This is it. This is the last time you're going to see the Shield together, mainly because Dean Ambrose is not returning, which is strange that they're talking so openly about that. And I think the fact they're talking openly about it puts it into all of our heads that maybe it's not true, that maybe the whole thing is a work. You know, when they talked about CM Punk leaving, remember? The famous angle they did with him and John Cena, and he won the title at Money in the Bank, and then he kissed Vince McMahon goodbye and left. That was obviously a work, and it was a great work. It was fantastic. It was one of the great angles. The summer of punk, as we remember. They may have ruined it because of what happened next with Kevin Nash and Triple H and Alberto Del Rio, but it was a great angle. When Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were going to WCW, they were not talking about them leaving. So, look, I'll admit, I don't know what's going on with Dean Ambrose. I don't know if he's leaving. I don't know if he is going to AEW. It would be surprising that they're putting him over as much as they are. I know he was losing a bunch of matches, but think about what he did in this pay-per-view. He got put over. So I don't know what's happening. And I guess that's a good thing. It's a good thing that we don't know what the hell's happening with the contract situation. But every time I hear last time together, this is it. Last time, last time. I think about all the times in WWE history. Oh, oh, I'm about to list them. All the times in WWE history where they told us this is the last time. And and I think the one that probably jumps out the most is once in a lifetime, Roxena. It was recent. It was so pushed as once in a lifetime. And then the next freaking year, they couldn't even wait. The next freaking year, they're fighting for the championship. And of course, the match sucked. It wasn't nearly as good as the year before. But that's not the only time. The Macho Man loses a retirement match. Months later, reinstate the Macho Man, reinstate the Macho Man. Oh, what do you know? He's back. Or how about this last time ever? The main event of WrestleMania 8. Hulk Hogan said this may be Hulk Hogan's last match in the WWF. Are you kidding me? His last match, a year later he's back. (laughs) And we touched on this, by the way, if you want to go into the archives, the WrestleMania main event retrospective where we talked about this, all of a sudden Hulk Hogan's back. So color me concerned. Is that even a phrase? 
uh, how, how can you not blame me or how can you blame me for being skeptical about when the WWE says this is the last time ever? I don't buy it. Even though Seth Rollins screamed one last mother bleeping time as they were do the, doing the finishing moves. One other question, and I'm going to say this with so much peace and love, with a lot of it, because I think all of us as human beings are really excited that Roman Reigns was able to come back, all right? When we heard, when I heard, I know, on that Raw that he was battling leukemia, I teared up. I mean, it was devastating news. You feel like you almost know Roman Reigns. It feels like you know anybody that you watch on TV or listen on the radio, and you start to say, oh, my God, this guy who I watch every week is battling this heinous disease. And so for him to come back six months later is fantastic. The fact he beat this disease is fantastic. With all that said, can I ask a simple question? When do the fans turn on Roman Reigns? <laughs> I ask that because Roman Reigns has been booed for freaking years. Every time they try to get him over, Every time they tried to make him the guy in this company, the main event guy, let him main event 31, let him main event 32, let him main event 33, let him main event every freaking WrestleMania, the fans always turn. Now, there would be patches of love, right? They would, they would get him over in patches sometimes. The original Shield reunion, that's another thing. I mean, how many Shield reunions do we need, including the time Kurt Angle joined the Shield and Triple H joined the Shield overseas? Or wherever it was. That's the other reason why these reunions are tough to take seriously. They've happened 18 times already. I'm supposed to get excited about it? I've seen it 15 times. But the pockets of Roman Reigns' love, right? We got that when he won the title from Sheamus on that Raw, and they ran that angle that appeared to really get Roman Reigns over. So there have been times where the fans have started to like him. Is this different? Will people for the next year, two years, five years now love Roman Reigns because of the real-life struggle that he had? I'm asking the question. I don't know the answer. I will say this. I think at some point, if they book Roman Reigns the way they booked him before, if he's back in the title picture, if he's main eventing all the time, make Roman look strong, I think the fans will turn. Now, I think what's happening right now and why the fans are supporting him, number one, obviously, is the human element of it. I think we're all genuinely happy that he was able to beat up cancer and stop leukemia and be able to be back in a ring only six months later. But I think the other factor is, and it's a smaller factor for now, is that he's not in the main event. Is that he's not taking the air out of the sails of everybody else. But if Vince McMahon starts to book him the way we saw him booked for many years, I do think the crowd will eventually turn. But right now, the crowd loves him. I think the crowd's inspired by him. As far as this being the main event, now that we had the 10 matches in, it kind of had to be the main event. And I'll tell you why. The other options, like I mentioned at the top, Becky Lynn, Charlotte Flair. Let's get to that match. Obviously, it turned out to be a schmoz, and it made sense. Ronda Rousey comes out. She beats up Becky Lynch, which forces the official, little Nate Charles Robinson, to say, oh, DQ, Becky wins, boom, Becky's in the triple threat match. It's smart booking. It makes a lot of sense. You don't want Charlotte to lose. You don't want her getting pinned. You just want to get to WrestleMania with this being a triple threat, which we've known for months that it was likely to be. It was just a matter of how we were going to get there. Now, I think some of the booking over the last few weeks has been lousy. 
you know, I didn't love Vince just all of a sudden suspending her and then, you know, Charlotte's in the match and you know, everything we've seen. Some of them have been good. I, I thought where she was beating the crap out of everybody with her, uh, with her crutch I thought was pretty cool. But some of the booking's been odd. Tonight, this is what they had to do. I mean, we weren't going to get the 20-minute Mac Classic. We weren't going to get this really good match between Charlotte and Becky, so they had to do it this way. So based on that, that's not how you're ending the show. You're not ending Fastlane with Ronda coming out, getting Charlotte DQ'd, and saying, oh, we got a triple threat match. Let's all stare at each other and move on. That was never going to happen. The title match, the WWE Championship match, and I'm pissed about this match. Look, Daniel Bryan as a heel is really good. All right, let's all admit it. Daniel Bryan's promos are good. He's obviously awesome in the ring. We understand that. Daniel Bryan, as a heel WWE champion, has been great. I wanted AJ Styles to hold on to the title as long as possible. Uh, looking at it now, they took it off of him with the right guy. Daniel Bryan heel, I'm in on. I mean, I'm not in on the fact they keep calling him the new Daniel Bryan. It's not that new anymore. Stop with the new Daniel Bryan. He's just freaking Daniel Bryan. You don't have to tell us he's new. How new is it? It's been five months. Hasn't it been five months already? Or four months? Whatever it is. It's been a while. Stop saying new Daniel Bryan. So I love Daniel Bryan. But I freaking hated how they got here. First, it's Kofi versus Brian Fine, if that's what you want the match to be. Then they run this bizarre crap with Vince McMahon, who's not nearly the heel he used to be. I guess he is a heel based on what he's been doing lately between the Becky stuff, between the Kofi stuff. Basically, Vince McMahon's role now is to look decrepit, to look very, very old, to look like a shell of his former self, to barely be able to talk, and to just, I guess, take the baby face people love and just screw them, right? It's almost like you're trying to do Austin again, except it sucks this time. So when they book the whole, all right, Kofi's not in the match, Kevin Owens is, here's the problem with that. Kevin Owens has been gone for months and months. I think Kevin Owens is also really good. Is he a face? Is he a heel? What the hell is he? Then they give him the Stone Cold Stunner. I guess going along with this whole, hey, let's recreate Austin versus McMahon in a weird way. So I think the crowd was and is confused on how to react to Kevin Owens because he's also kind of talking like a face. Kofi deserves it. Kofi should be there. I don't know what the hell's going on. And the whole angle with, and I always admit this, the pre-shows I can't get into. I mean, it's long enough when you're watching a three and a half hour show or four hour show. The pre-show I can't get into. So they show us on the regular show that the McMahons had summoned Kofi Kingston into his office. And again, maybe this is a good thing because I can't predict what the hell they're doing, but it could also be a bad thing because none of it seems to make sense. So they do that whole, Kofi's been waiting out his door for two hours. Vince, again, who barely can speak anymore, I expected you an hour to call. <laughs> you know what, Kofi? It's going to be a triple threat match, and it starts now. Again, I, I didn't know that it was just going to turn into a handicap match. I figured something was going to happen. I just wasn't sure what. So obviously, Kofi gets his ass kicked by the bar, which I guess I'll touch on later. But then when they finally do this championship match and the P, PR, PA, PA announcer says triple threat match, we're all guessing for a good three minutes. Well, who's in the match? And a lot of weird ideas are popping in my head. You know, is it going to be uh, Luke Harper? 
You know, <laughs> who's it going to be? Who's going to be the third person? I actually thought for a second it would be Sami Zayn. Like, oh, that would that would be kind of cool if it's Sami Zayn. And then it turns out to be Mustafa Ali, who is very talented. No question. In the limited time I've watched him, he is a talented, talented wrestler. How does he fit here? He fits here because he got hurt and couldn't be in the elimination chamber? That does not fit here. You know how he fits here? I'll answer the question. It's rhetorical. He fits here so that Kevin Owens doesn't take a pin and Daniel Bryan can defend his championship. So Mustafa Ali basically gets inserted. He's not a champion. There's no moment you think Mustafa Ali is going to win the WWE championship. So he's put in there to take a pinfall. And you have Corey Graves, Graves having to explain for 10 minutes during the match you know, Mustafa Ali is usually a fan favorite, but the crowd really wants Kofi. Okay, another reason not to book Ali in this match. So you take a guy who the audience is still learning, supposed to be a face, let's have everybody crap on him for 20 minutes. So considering how that match went, that shouldn't have been the main event either. Because I thought that initially, all right, it'll be Brian Owens and Zayn will interfere. I figure Sami Zayn is coming back. He sets up a program with Kevin Owens. Let's go. Instead, none of that happens. Brian simply pins Ali. It's a very good match, by the way. I, I admit that. It was an entertaining match, except I knew what was going to happen. It was very obvious. As soon as Ali's in this match, Brian's going to win. He's going to pin Ali. There was no doubt in my mind. And so apparently we're working towards Kofi and Daniel Bryan. We'll have to see how they get there. And I I mentioned this before about this whole Bryan-Kofi Kingston thing and the emergence of Kofi Kingston. I think it's been sort of organic, and the crowd has really been behind it, and I think that's great. And I think Kingston and Bryan would have a great match at WrestleMania. My only hesitation about this whole thing is it feels like it sort of came out of nowhere. And I think I'd be looking at this Kingston angle differently if the seeds started to be planted, let's say, just a month earlier. And I know it's probably a nitpick, because I'm sure most people listening right now say, shut the hell up, Evan. I mean, what are you talking? Kofi's great. He's been there for 11 years. He deserves it. It's going to be a great match. Just get behind it. And all of that is true. I think it will be a great match. And I think it is obvious that's where they're going for the WWE Championship. I think that, I don't know how they're going to get there. This whole authority situation is just bizarre with Vince and Shane and Stephanie and Triple H, and they all have their own thing. But then you got Vince basically being a heel. Uh, Triple H is a good guy. We're confused by Stephanie McMahon. Uh, the whole authority and who's making decision thing has been rather confusing. But we are going to get Kofi Daniel Bryan. I think they certainly set the seats for that. I don't think there's any doubt. I'm not sure what they do with Kevin Owens. Maybe they'll continue to do that as uh, you know regular programming goes by. The Raw Women's Tag Team title match. Actually, it's not the Raw Women's Tag Team title. It's just the Women's Tag Team. So apparently, Sasha and Bailey for now can defend these titles on every freaking show known to man. So every show has exclusive titles. That's the one title that is not exclusive. So think about this for a second. The only people that are jumping from show to show, the women's tag team champions and NXT call-ups. Everybody else is assigned to a show. Uh, I didn't think the match was that good. And 
the whole Beth Phoenix angle that they ran afterwards, for a while, and I think this is a part of why this women's revolution over the last three years has been so impressive, but for a long time, women's wrestling sucked in the WWE. So while they had a women's championship and a Divas championship, most of us barely pay attention, barely paid attention. And that's kind of the issue I have with Beth Phoenix. I just don't care about her. You can call her Hall of Famer all you want. She's not Trish Stratus. She's not Lita. There are a few women, mostly from the Attitude Era, that you can look at and say, hey, they're kind of legends. But that era between 2003 and basically the last four years, to me, it's forgotten about in women's wrestling. So maybe Beth's going to come back in the ring based on the way they set it up. Maybe it's Beth and uh, Natty against Nia Jax and Tamina. But at least for me, I just don't care that much about Beth Phoenix. The U.S. title match... Here's what the U.S. title match to me did very, very well. Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio have to have a one-on-one match for the U.S. title at WrestleMania. And hopefully it's on the main show. And maybe you open up the card with it. Because I thought the last few minutes of Joe and Mysterio was tremendous. Was absolutely tremendous. R-Truth, I don't don't want to say anything. Just he's a waste, all right? Andrade, I still don't know enough about. I still don't care about him enough. But Joe and Mysterio can go. Two veterans of the business. Two guys who have been separated from companies or separated based on the companies they worked for for a very long time. And I'm hopeful they're going to give us that match. Because if you notice when Joe defeated Mysterio, they emphasized he did not tap out. He passed out. And so to me, I think that's just planting a seed that we may see that match at a later date. And I think that'd be a great match. I'm glad they put the U.S. title on Joe. I think that both the U.S. title and Samoa Joe need each other because I think the U.S. title was starting to become kind of who cares, bouncing around on some good wrestlers. But when it's on our truth, that kind of hurts the title. And for Joe, he had been spinning his wheels for a while. So if you give me Joe Mysterio at Mania, and I think they planted the seeds of that, and you give them 15 minutes at least, I think you're getting yourself a hell of a match. The Raw Tag Team title match, uh, another one of those things. It's a tough time. It's tough to just care about it. You know, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, blah. The Revival's pretty good. And Aleister Black and Ricochet, who are relatively new to me because I talk about it all the time. I don't watch a lot of NXT. Ricochet is awesome. But when I see Ricochet, I worry they're going to turn him into Neville. Because when Neville first came up, I remember being like, oh, this guy's great. I, I get it now why everybody loved him in NXT. I'd heard his name. I hadn't watched him that much. Man, this guy's brilliant in the ring. He's strong. He's quick. He's flying through the air. He's bigger and better than a cruiserweight. He can be more than that. And let's face it, what the hell did they do with Neville? They basically ruined him. So when I see a guy like Ricochet, and I guess they'll keep him and Aleister Black as a tag team. Maybe they'll split them up down the road. But I look at Ricochet, I see this exciting, exciting guy, but I have no confidence they're going to book him any better than they booked Neville. You know, we mentioned earlier the the two-on-one match, which again, the Sheamus-Cesaro beating the crap out of Kofi thing was basically just about making Kofi that ultimate babyface. You know, give him a little bit of a comeback, but ultimately he's not beating Sheamus and Cesaro because Vince McMahon is the evil Vince McMahon again. 
The Oscar-Mandy Rose match had a very weird ending. They're teasing a breakup, obviously, with Mandy and uh, what's-her-name, Ruby Riot. But who cares? And poor Asuka. Asuka's a tremendous wrestler. Uh, she is a champion. She is the SmackDown Women's Champion. And the air has been completely sucked out of any run she's having because of the fact we all just care more about the Raw Women's title. We care more about Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch and Charlotte. Now, let me get to the opening match of the night. Because this Ms. Shane McMahon angle has sucked now for a few months. And so we all knew, okay, this sucks, but eventually they're going to break up. And eventually we're going to get Miz against Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. It was just a matter of when are they going to do it and how are they going to do it. And to open the show, we found out exactly how they were going to do it. And that was Shane McMahon becoming a heel. <laughs> couple of things. couple of things. I think Miz is a excellent, excellent heel. And I thought the heel run he had the last couple of years was, to his word, awesome. Miz sucks as a babyface. He's just not good at it. Nobody wants to like Miz. So what do they do? They turn Shane into what's probably going to be an awkward heel because he's not a freaking pro wrestler. And they make Miz the face. Great. They surprised us. They did. I admit it. You know, after that match, after Miz had been pinned by one of the Usos and they have that moment where they're hugging Miz's dad. I mean, who cares about Miz's dad for Christ's sake? Yes, I was surprised when Shane all of a sudden attacked. And I was waiting for the Miz to attack Shane. But just because you surprise us doesn't mean it's any good. Ask WCW. It's a part of why they went out of business. So Shane attacks him, and then his attacking of him was awful. Was he baby punching him? I mean, what was that? It's like an infant trying to lay a punch. Shane McMahon has his moments in the ring, right? There was a moment in this match when him and one of the Usos were both on the top rope, and Shane kind of intercepted the Uso trying to hit the Miz, in midair and hit him. I thought that was an original move. I thought it was a great move. And Shane has that every match. He has that moment where you're like, ah, oh, that's pretty cool. I'll give him that. But outside of that, he sucks at everything else. He's not a wrestler. He's not good on the mic. He can't even fake beat up Miz well. And I think this feud just ended. <laughs> Can we put Miz versus Shane on the pre-show at WrestleMania? Can we do that? I just... And, and I, I feel bad saying it because I think Miz is such a good heel. He really is. He's one of the best heels in this company. But, oh, my God, as a face, he's so brutal. He's wearing the Cleveland shirt. Oh, let me, uh, look how pro-Cleveland I am. We get it. You're from Cleveland. It's the same thing on the opposite side with Elias. All right, you're going to try to get heat by making fun of LeBron. We're not making fun of LeBron, how... You're going to hang out with LeBron. You're trying to get heat by mocking the Cavs. You're trying to get heat by mocking the Browns. How about you say something that isn't cheap to get the heat? Because that's all it is. It's all it is. And when the when the faces do it too, it's annoying. So the Usos retain the SmackDown tag title, and we finally got what we've been dreading for so long, Miz against Shane McMahon. And that gets us to what they've done with these authority figures. A few months ago, when they all came out, Triple H, Stephanie, Shane, Vince, and they all did their bizarre promo where they were taking the power back and making the people happy and all this, they were all heels, basically. Well, no, Triple H is a face for the whole Batista thing. 
Stephanie is somewhere in the middle, and now Vince and Shane are heels, and they're not even good at it anymore. I don't understand how Vince and Shane at one point were so good as heels, and now they're so bad. Is it the writing? Maybe it's the writing. I don't know what it is. I can't figure it out. But does anybody really care about Shane McMahon versus The Miz at WrestleMania? Nah, I don't. I personally don't. I'm telling you, I hope it's on the pre-show. Though I know Shane will go through a table and the crowd will chant, holy ass, holy ass. I don't like to curse. I know I can on a podcast. Not a fan of it. Nah, it just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. And speaking of the crowd, these crowd shots. Oh, my God. Every second we got to see someone react. Like as soon as Shane turned on Miz, they showed so many of these crowd shots. Really? People are shocked that they led to them breaking up. You thought they were going to be a tag team for the next 25 years? Is that really what you thought? And to add drama to it, the announcers, the broadcast, went silent for five minutes after Shane had attacked Miz. The only thing that was said, and I noticed this, because Corey Graves, and I've said this before, is really, really good at his job. He pulled a Bobby Heenan after the barbershop mode. So after Sean turned on Marty Jannetty, one of the great moments is how Bobby said quickly, I knew he would do that. Right after 30 seconds earlier, talking about, ah, they need each other and all that. So as soon as Shane had hit Miz, Graves quickly says, Shane had had enough. (laughs) Which made me laugh a little bit. And then nothing was said for five minutes. I mean, it wasn't that dramatic of a moment where we needed five minutes of silence. What, to let it sink in that they're going to make us watch this garbage? Is that, we were, is that what we were waiting to see? <laughs> Either way, 10 matches tonight. If I had to pick a best match of the night, I'd probably say it was close. I thought the Joe... Mysterio ending in the U.S. title match was very good. And I thought the WWE Championship match I mentioned was very good. It was just so, so predictable. Very, very predictable. But, hey, it's the road to WrestleMania. We're on our way now. We got through this fast lane. There's no roadblock pay-per-view they're going to throw in there. We'll find out about Batista Triple H, which is clearly going to happen now. And I guess there'll be some other questions answered, who Roman Reigns is going to fight and all that. And uh, away we go. Away we go. So overall, I thought the event was eh and mostly pissed me off at times. We will do a WrestleMania preview podcast for WrestleMania 35. That will drop on April 2nd and right after WrestleMania on late, late April 7th, maybe April 8th, because God knows how long the event will go. We'll do an instant reaction to that. Uh, Coming up, a Nets monster road trip preview. That will drop on Tuesday, March 12th as they embark on this brutal seven-game road trip, and our fantasy baseball preview podcast will drop on March 19th. This was Fast Lane Instant Reaction. Thank you very much for listening. Check out Joe Beningo and me, Evan Roberts, Monday through Friday on the Midday Show at 10 a.m., and this dopey little podcast, too. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.